2: Personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. up. up, up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person, a child. Get up, get up.
3: a
4: pessimist, see a glass half empty, but an optimist, see a glass half full. Are we lost into aggressive regressive mentality by change unseen? If you try to fail and then succeed, which have you done? Do you ask enough questions or do you settle for what you know? The only questions that really matter are the ones you ask yourself. Welcome to Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. think,
0: think. think. Get up. Get up.
5: I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. If you are a regular listener, you know this Saturday is our regular series, Conversation with Smart People, and today's smart person is... Tiffany Richardson, thank you, Queen, for being on with us. You are putting mm-hmm. on your thank amazing you Black Owned Spirits Expo here in the ATL yeah. area, but we'll get a little more into that again. Thank you, Queen, for being with us, if you will. Say hello to all the truth seekers and give a little bit of your background. Thank you for being with us.
3: Oh, Thank you so much for that great introduction, and thank you for having me on the show, and um, Thank you. Just thank you so much for having us and letting us um, and having this platform um, for those that are seeking the truth and want to have these open conversations without um, being ridiculed and being, um, you know, talked about and just being able to Um, expand their minds and their thinking um, in a safe environment. This is amazing. So thanks so much for having me on. Um, Again, my name is Tiffany. I run a company called The Alcohol Heroes, um, and we are a beverage catering service here in Atlanta. We set up bars um, for special events and festivals. Um, And so my expertise is alcohol compliance, um, alcohol awareness, um, and a safe alcohol service um, for special events.
5: Uh, absolutely. Let me shout out Sheila Maxwell because I met you at her event. Uh, I think it, what, what were, it was a what, 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 what was the name of that event? That it was I met a, you taste so yeah, a Taste of Sofu.
3: Yeah, Taste of Sofu. Taste of South yes. Fulton. Um, South Fulton is a new city, and so they were celebrating um, coming together as a city. Um, it was called the Taste of South Fulton down there off um, off of Hope Road, New Hope Road in South Fulton, and that's where we met. We were doing a quick um, tasting um, just to kind of give. Um, uh, introduction to the event that we were are putting on here, um, downtown Atlanta, which is the um, taste of, um, excuse me, it's the uh, Black-Owned Spirits Expo. So we were just ke- kind of giving people a little bit of a taste of what they would get at, if they came up to the event today.
5: Nah, absolutely. And, you know, somebody had mentioned that y'all were over there. I said, well, you know, I'm out here I love support, supporting Black-Owned, so obviously I'm going to go by the booth. And I'm not a, a – a big experience spirits or whatever, but I'm going to take from time to time and I say. You know, mm-hmm. I think I even mentioned that when I first rolled up, I wasn't even certain if I was going to take a test, but I just heard about you, and your spirit was wonderful. And, you know, so in that mm-hmm. conversation, lo and behold, I didn't realize I said, like, "Oh, I have a, I have the next guest for the uh, conversation with smart <laughs> people because you, uh, you know, in in being in, in presenting yourself so well and sharing the fact that you were actually putting on this amazing expo again in that time and dialogue with you, I said, you know what, she's definitely up to par. Or as I quite often say and say often to my listeners out there, I said when it comes to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, I, I try to bring on people who are a little smarter than myself, and, in this, and especially <laughs> in this particular field, which I don't know much about, you know, I definitely want to peel back, you know, some things, you know, again, we're just having a conversation, so this is not going to be an interview per se, and again, my regular listeners, they know that if you're a first-time listener, again, uh, we are so glad to have on Tiffany Richardson again. We're going to keep pointing out going on today at 4 p.m. in the Atlanta area. If you were fortunate enough to be in the Atlanta area, we're going to encourage you to go out and support. I will definitely be out uh, to support, again, the Black-Owned Spirits Expo. And this is the first one, um, from what I understand. So I'm going to have you speak to that um, before we even get into your story and how you end up, in a sense, being a long-time owner, because we haven't, you didn't mention that in your, um, your initial um, bio per se, so we definitely want to get into your story as well. But if if I under, from what I understand, this is the first time you put it on. So if you can just kind of speak to that, because I know we talked about that when I first met you.
3: Yeah, this is the first time. This is the um, inaugural event. We hope to that that this is going to be an annual event, if not a semi annual event, because um, we were so surprised as to how many Black-owned wineries there were out there, Black-owned spirit distilleries, Black-owned beer um, breweries that there were that um, just me. Even me being in the alcohol business and being a minority-owned company was had no idea we're even out there and what was available right here in my own network, um, which is City of Atlanta. So I, you know, I was really surprised. I started working with a few of these um, these vendors last year. I was blessed enough to be a part of a larger event, which was a week long um, <clears throat> of activities and activations um, dedicated to. Um, just the African-American experience and and soul food and, you know, everything that has to do with African-American experience right along the same time um, during Buy Black Week um, last year. And so part of that event or part of that festival was a black wine experience. And so when I started, um, I got to know some of these vendors, um, I decided, you know, I, we had to do something to kind of expose them. I started using these vendors in my own business. Um, the products are amazing. And my husband and I, we run the company together, and we said, you know, we have to do something to showcase these brands to our community because um, buying black is such a um, a big thing right now. Uh, people are seeing the importance of, um, of supporting our community, and if we can't get support um, from within our own community, where are we going to get it from? And so um, we just wanted to use, Our our platform, which is alcohol services and alcohol-related activities, anything that has to do with alcohol, to be able to support that cause. And so that's why we wanted to put on this Black-Owned Spirits Expo, which is a tasting experience for all of the Black-owned beers, wines, and spirits available in Atlanta um, we know that this thing will continue to grow. We know that for this first one, the people that are supposed to be in the building will be in the building. We have a lot of restaurateurs, event producers, um, people in the event industry that are in our, our personal network that will be there that want to try these products and see how they can continue to support these products in their restaurants and in their, um, you know, in their retail stores and you know things like that. But it's also open to the um, to the consumer just to come out and get education about the history of these products, how they work, um, where they can where they can pick them up after the event is over, um, and just to try them and see how they're um, just as comparable to some of the bigger brands, if not better, than the bigger brands that are out there. But you will walk past some of these products in Kroger or in, you know, your, your local retail, okay. your liquor store, and not know that they were black-owned. And, um, and that sometimes makes the difference. Um, within our community, knowing that something is black-owned would make me want to buy it over what is already commercialized um, and that's what these brands need they need that awareness they need that additional support um, because it's already tough out there in a um, in a you know something that's not hasn't been so inclusive to our community um, this conversation the alcohol conversation we were left out of um, like we talked about a little bit before we were left out of this conversation we were left mm-hmm. out of tobacco conversation and if we're not careful we're going to be left out of that marijuana conversation coming up here soon and so here we are a hundred years a hundred plus years um you know outside of prohibition and we're just now breaking into this commute into this um industry. And this is a billion dollar industry and um we're just now getting Um, our part that we're just now taking, you know, kind of on the rise in alcohol. So um, we wanted to do this here in Atlanta. We've seen something similar to this in several other cities, um, you know, and it's on the rise right now. So we really wanted to, because alcohol is our business here in Atlanta, um, we wanted to coin this here in the city um, and make it available um, on an annual basis, if not a semi-annual basis.
5: No, I love it. Um, I appreciate you um, in a sense for trailblazing um, and, and it's it is almost sad, like you say, 100 years later, that you, you can even mention first annual or trailblazer considering uh, you know a lot of things of uh, the you know the history of this country, and you, you just had the reparations conversation, uh, you know, hearing um, this week, and just kind of just throwing it out there, but just putting it in perspective, um, it's almost something I'm, I know I've gotten into a recent place with the Mr. Dialogue platform where. Uh, when I first started years ago um got getting on social media and management and is really the only reason I'm on social media personally, I wouldn't even really get on but but I remember always highlighting these new first or whatever, and you know after doing it for so many years i'm tired I'm almost tired of first. If, if if that makes sense, exactly. considering our history. But again, I'm glad to highlight someone, again, like yourself, who's trailblazing and making a huge effort to help others. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with smart people, Tiffany Richardson, uh, founder of the Black-Owned Spirits Expo here in Atlanta. We'll be right back. All I ask is
2: that you think. If you're looking to purchase a home in Atlanta, the question you should ask yourself do you want a top agent with all the top listings to find you a house? Or would you prefer a personal agent to find you a home? An agent who doesn't simply shuffle you through listings, but specifically researches to help find your dream home. For that personal touch, Century 21 agent Ephraim Abdullah is the agent for you. Known for having the highest integrity standards in the industry, no intentional delays and in information costing you more money, whether buying or selling a home, or blind at the closing table. Ephraim hand-walks all of his clients through a successful home buying or selling process. In the end, they all call him a friend. Contact your new best friend in the real estate industry, Ephraim Abdullah, at 404-590-2828. Again, that number is 404-590-2828 or online at EphraimSalesATL.com. welcome back to
5: the mental download talk show i'm your host montoya smith aka black socrates this morning's conversation with smart people first our guest tiffany richardson again founder of black on spirits expo she beautifully laid out um the spirit literally behind um this expo and again i can only imagine how grateful um in a sense those owners of those distilleries and those beers and wines and liquors um, are probably super excited to be a part of this. And so, just even throwing it out there again, it is today in Atlanta, 4 p.m. to 9, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but if I could ask you to throw this out there real quick before we even jump into how did you even get into this yourself? Um, how many um, different people, how many different owners in the, are, in, in a sense, involved? you have a, like a rough number of what that, what that looks like? Again, just to become aware of uh, how many of our, in a sense, our people are trying to break into, as you said, this billion dollar industry. Go ahead, Queen.
3: Well, there are about um, 40 different um, forty different alcohol producers, uh, if, it, if it be beer, wine, or spirits that are available here in Atlanta. Today we'll have about 25 different vendor stations for you to walk to, um, including um, beers. There's a Black-owned brewery here in Atlanta. They'll be in the building, down home, um Brewing. They'll be here. Um, we have about um, – about 25 different things for you to sample, uh, lots of different wines, lots of different spirits made into cocktails um, that will be here today, and we hope to continue to grow and eventually have all of these spirit brands available in one space uh, for everyone to try.
1: No,
5: I love it, and I'll just throw this out very quickly again. I consider the this platform per se as a conduit to get the information to connect the doers to the to the to our community and just throwing this out very briefly i I reached out to you earlier this morning on uh, down home breweries actually uh though they're actually sponsoring as I mentioned to you um a Shelly winters uh who some people here in Atlanta they know Shelly winters. Is, in a sense has a huge platform and was recently on talk radio in a major way in the morning and he um, found out about your event and he plans to come out and they're actually his sponsors to promote what you're doing so again just just highlighting those who are yeah making the effort to make sure people like yourself are are known about so again uh, again just a quick quick highlight there now my question for you And, again, we're not doing an interview per se. We're just kind of enjoying ourselves, but i got to ask this question. So, again, you have this amazing spirit, and I'm pretty sure the truth seekers out there listening can hear that. The question I have to ask you is, did you grow up wanting to own a liquor store?
3: (laughs) You know what? I did not actually. I actually used to be a mortician. Um I came down okay. to Atlanta to go to mortuary college um and that's this is where I met my husband. my husband used to drive trucks and as we started developing our relationship and um we got into you know building a family um you know those that lifestyle just didn't work for us um anymore and so we we um while I was in college, I was a cocktail waitress um I kind of moonlighted as a cocktail waitress and um I, you know, I was seeing what the bartenders were bringing in compared to what I was bringing in. You know, it was still, it was both good. You know, we, I really enjoyed, um, you know my time as a cocktail waitress and being w- with the people. But, you know, sometimes I walked out like, wait a minute, you know, something's not quite quite right here. So, you know, um, I told my husband, listen, we need to go, we need to go to bartending school because I think we can, we can maximize our, our income potential, you know, by with the same amount of hours mm-hmm. that we're putting in, um, you know, over here, we can maximize it if we became bartenders. Um, and so we did that. We went to bartending school. This is now 15 years ago, 15, almost 16 years ago. Now, and we went to bartending school, and um, we, we started working in the clubs, you know. We started working in everything from country clubs to strip clubs we were in, you know, both of us. And, you know, we enjoyed that so much. But eventually, like I said, as our family started growing, that lifestyle, that club lifestyle um, started, wow. uh, you know, not working for us anymore. Those late night hours, coming in mm-hmm. sometimes from working at a um a sports bar, smelling like smoke, and, you know, it just kind of got old after a few years, and so people started asking us, and, you know, we got to remember that we were new to the, the hospitality industry at this time, so we didn't really know the potential okay. of bartending, and so people just started randomly asking us, hey, can you know, do you guys do private events, or do you, would you come in, you know, my sister's having a wedding, would you you know, um, would you come and work her wedding? And I was we like, sure. You know, let's let's do it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we started off with just a one table. You know, setting it up like a bar, and we set it <laughs> up just like we set it up at work. You know, and 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 uh-huh. we were, you know, started thinking, can we do enough of these a week if we promoted ourselves? Can we do enough of these a week? to um to get out of the club. You know, so that was the original yeah, goal you just get was to just get out time. Of the
0: club. You know what I mean? get some
3: daylight exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We just wanted to get out of the club. And so um and so we started we started off, we were we used to be called the Mix masters. It was just me and my husband. We were the Mix masters bartending. And um and we started good, doing good. that That's and good. you know and it, it kind of just grew you know a little bit authentically. But what we found is that with special events and special event venues Somewhere the conversation kind of changed where they started asking for um quote unquote these licensed bartenders. I know a lot of people throw around that term a lot licensed bartenders, mm-hmm. and so we knew that as go you know by going to a bartending school and taking some sort of bar um alcohol education alcohol awareness course we became certified, Mm -hmm. right? They gave us a certificate to say that you took this course, you went to this class. Um, And then we then sometimes, depending on where we served, would have to go to the city and get a background check, and they would give us what's called an alcohol pouring permit. And so that gave us permission to pour in that city in a restaurant or a private event or whatever the case may be, and we would have to get that in several cities. But so we were trying to figure out what the heck is this license that people keep on asking for? And so what we found mm-hmm. out is that people uh, that the venues that do not have liquor licenses attached to their venue, either, and people that want to have events in non-traditional places like parks and warehouses, they don't have liquor licenses attached to those places. So technically, they cannot serve right. alcohol in those places. And so what right. they were looking for was someone that had a liquor license that also supplied bartenders or bartending uh, services. And so um, we had to do a little bit of digging to find out what we needed to do to get this liquor license. And so we had to get a brick and mortar. That was the only way you could do it. You could either have a restaurant, you could have a club, or you could have a a, a liquor store. Okay. And so we were like, well, we don't want to have any of this stuff. You know, we don't want a liquor store necessarily. We don't want... A, um, a restaurant, you know, what are our options? And so um, it was just that. We had to decide which one worked best for us. And so we ended up opening a small bottle shop um, and into the, in the cater area, the cab area, and we used that to also do alcohol catering. And so we cater alcohol for these events, so we become an alcohol caterer because most places that are restaurants, or um or bars don't necessarily have the infrastructure or the staff to to utilize their license outside of their business, um, and so because okay. our business was off premise alcohol sales and catering, um that is. It it, it it worked for us. It was worth it to invest that money to get a brick and mortar right. and to get uh, a location and be able to use it for dual purposes. And so that's, um, it kind of blossomed into that. And we've let this thing grow authentically. We've never gotten a loan from anything. We've never, you know, borrowed money from anything. You know, it, we just kind of let it grow authentically. And y'all was making all that liquor money, man. I mean, y'all ain't need no Listen, <laughs> you know, it, it, some days were good. Some Days were bad, but we stuck with of it, you know. I'm messing with you. I'm uh, messing with you. So yeah, mm-hmm. and so that is why. Um, and so we have a company now called the Alcohol Heroes, and that's what we do. We save Georgia one drink at a time by going around to these events and promoting safe and uh, safe alcohol services. Um, we do events from you know, hundred people to fifty thousand people. We've done events of fifty thousand wow. people plus, uh, where we've had thirty bars wow. set up. Um, and you know, so it's wow. grown. Um, you know, ex.
6: Wow. extremely,
3: you know, to, to the, to the max. And so um, we, and we still are only at about 30% of what our potential is, which is another reason why we wanted to do wow. this expo to build our own relationships mm-hmm. um, and within our own community. And you, like I said, use our platform to try to help um, as many people as possible, um, you know, through alcohol services and get as much notoriety for um, anyone that has a brand, you know, if they have a brand, they want to get in front of 20,000 people, let, work with us, you know what I'm saying? Come, come holler at us, and you know, because we're already at Let's these events, and so we want to use your product, um, you know, and see how we can use your product and get get you guys, um, or get these products just as much, um, uh, you know, um, visibility Explain. as the, you know, the big boys of the world, you know, because if it came down to money, the big boys would always win. So at some point, it's going to come down to relationships. And so, you know, so that's one of the reasons why we, we wanted to do this um, and other cocktail series, um, a series of events that we're planning on doing in the future to just build our own relationships with these, um, with these alcohol vendors, these alcohol producers, so that we can come in and just kind of, you know, and, and come in from that angle. And because um, we're not greedy, you know, we'll, we, we want to share the wealth, you know, amongst anybody that wants to work with us, you know, that's for sure.
5: No, I love it. I mean, I love. As I'm listening to you tell, you know, in a sense, this is an amazing story. I don't think it is Tiffany. You out here putting people on. I mean, like literally, you know <laughs> what I mean. You putting people on. It's clear that's what's in your spirit. I again just even mentioning this, uh, highlighting this, walking up to you again um, when Sheila tells me, hey, there's a you know, black you know and she was you know, she didn't know if I was a drinker or not. So she was just like, you know, go over there and they're black on 'cause you know I care about that part. You know what I mean? So so I you know, go check you out. And literally that's what you were doing. You were, you know, again, you're carrying anything to drink, but you were literally highlighting uh which you know, when you knew that was a concern of mine as well, you started highlighting, hey, here are the back on, you know, liquors and wines I'm carrying right now. You literally are you know, making an effort to let it be known versus just letting it sit on the shelf, like you say, you walk in crows and don't know. Yeah. And again, given a choice, and then not only were you pointing them out, but you were saying this compared to this, this is better. You know what I mean? So you were even highlighting which people were, in a sense, doing well. You know what we call that? Was that black brilliance or black excellence? So you were pointing out the, you know, the the owners who just literally had an excellent p- product. So again, you really have been. Yeah. From what I can tell, a walking advertisement you're putting on this, you know, putting on this event. What I want to kind of one thing I want to um, kind of pinpoint was, in a sense, that moment as you said, you you and your husband were looking at, okay, how do we get to do this based on these licenses, and then come to find out that hey, I gotta own a brick and mortar, and you know, at this point, you're probably again you're looking into this because you're clearly making you know making. Some profits and, and enough to look into it to say, okay, how do we expand? I know for mm-hmm. a lot of people, at least, or at least I think, and I want to hear what you you tell me as an owner who's actually been through this process and clearly are, are figuring it out and pulling it off um, successfully, from what we can tell, you um, know, by listening to you. Here's the the moment if you could speak to that moment finding out, ah, you have you must own a brick and mortar in order to do that, even though again that wasn't. What you that you know your goal wasn't to own a brick and mortar. Again, it was a invest to do this bigger thing, this bigger idea, a, 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 a idea that makes sense in the day's time. But finding that out, I yep. have experienced or heard of people that ends up being like the stopping point. Um, the stopping point. Just in point, a sense, sure. you know what I mean. When you get into those regulations yeah. and figure out wow, this is the requirement. I've seen people get overwhelmed at that moment. So if you could just kind of speak to what that part of your experience was like, because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure there's others out there who who, who are trying to navigate that too sometimes.
3: Yeah, man. You know what? Um, Before I got the shock of having to own a a, um, liquor store or some sort of brick-and-mortar, I had to get through the barriers of the no's, multiple no's for multiple cities and multiple officials that said that this was not even possible, mm. that there was no wow. way that alcohol can be taken from one location to another location um, legally, that there was no type of license. There was no type of way. There was no, 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 don't just, kill it kill your dream right now don't even think about it and I had to say you know what wait a minute there are other people out here doing it and so I know that there's a way that I can also do it and it was tough because the people that were out here doing it don't look like me unfortunately they just don't look like me and so it was even that much tougher to get the information from them Mm -hmm. on how to do it and so I had to just keep on going so actually it was a sigh of relief (laughs) when someone said yes you can do it and here's the way because after almost two years and i will tell people that it took me two years of research and 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 dedication to the cause um because i could have stopped at the first three or four no's and said that that's it but i am a true believer that if there's something i want to do there's a way that i can do it why would i even have the Or the idea that I can do it if I couldn't make it happen. And so, you know, and I felt conviction about it. And I felt like this was the path for me. And this was the natural progression of my my business. And so that was what my motivation was. I had that back motivation that this is something I want to do. This is something I want to do, and so I'm going to continue to see if I can make it happen. And I've seen other people um, get things written into ordinances, and I was prepared to go that way if I wasn't able to find wow. some, a city or a location or a jurisdiction that would let me have, let me do it.
5: Now, that's so, a, that's but, amazing. Uh, just to yeah. to hear again, obviously you you know you you sticking through it and go, and and again I'm just kind of I'm gonna reiterate this very briefly just the idea that you were already making money doing it the way that they're saying you couldn't do it. Right. And so a lot of times, if that's comfortable or if that's in a sense, maintaining the family, a lot of people will Again, it's not to you know, say anything bad about those who will, but it's just like it ends up being sometimes it seems like a common sense decision. All right. Two no's, three Mm -hmm. no's. It's not like I'm not already making money. And if you make that decision, then you all become the trailblazer that you are still fighting to. And so it sounds like for especially for anybody that's interested in getting into that industry, um they got the right person leading the way. You know what I mean. If it, it's clear. It's clear. It's clear and evident to me at this moment that if there, you know, again, if there's a portion of that one billion that should be ours, we 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 definitely got the right person on the task. So, uh, uh you, you know, your name of your company is Alcohol Heroes. where clearly, we understand why you are a hero at this moment because you uh, have the, you know, clearly the dedication to to make this happen. And I'm pretty sure anybody that rides your coattail. Uh, will will you know again only expand their business and as you said because you are about relationships and not about self in that sense um, then again the opportunity is there and I'm just glad to have you on and and hear your story. Uh, as, as we speak. We're going to go to another quick commercial. I'm going to open up the phone line just in case some of the people out there listening uh, do have a question, you know, maybe for yourself or, uh, uh, you know, maybe somebody out there interested in getting into the industry, whatever the case may be, we will give out the phone number just in case. All right, we'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest
7: hit. I really want you by Taylor Pace. Take a listen.
0: I really want, you, I really want you, But, I can't, but I can't have you. I want to do something. I know that I can
7: I know do something. You if you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love Can't Define This.
0: Love can not define this. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define this. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Well, love.
1: Welcome back to
5: the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Soccer Team. This morning's conversation with smart people. Tiffany Richardson, founder of the Black Owned Spirits Expo, is on with us this morning. Look forward to the top of our guest, Monty Evans, founder of Healthy Black Community. So stay tuned for him in the next hour. But right now, again, we are featuring Tiffany Richardson. Uh again, story, amazing. I, I, I love to hear the dedication. And then, again, as you said, you see the bunch of no before you finally got that one yes. You definitely hear that when people are, in a sense, pushing that positivity and, you know, what it's going to take to, in a sense, pursue your own dreams. And, again, your story fits the bill. I want to get into a nuance of something I heard you speak about as you were going through that process. And it was some of it, some of it was part of my own curiosity. And, again, I want to speak too. That's what we try to do with mental dialogue. We try to go deep and from a psychological standpoint, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when I was listening to your story, the first thing I thought was you were set, you were told, hey, got to have a license to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so when you first say, well, a bunch of the nose what people now turning around telling you can't do it. And as you mentioned in the beginning of the story, hey, you were trying to do something and no, none of these people looked like yourself. And, and then yeah. when you reached out to some of the people who who are doing it? They were in a sense kind of holding the information because, lay, like, they're looking at you like, hey, this may be p- possible competition. We don't know this, we don't know them, right. so a lot of times people don't want to give out, especially when they have, when they're in a, you, in a sense, they know they kind of have kind of corner something unique and totally definitely, mm-hmm. definitely don't want to. So I get some of those other people who are doing it that did not look like you. I kind of understand, you know, from that perspective. And so, as an African American specifically, uh, a lot of times we will have a perspective about how. Um, even pursuing something like this, jumping into an industry, how in a sense, um, a quote unquote, America in a sense will hold hold you back. So I definitely get it from the other owner's perspective. I wanted to throw out this part. I want to see what you thought about it. I bet you, and I think you would agree with this. A lot of your knows, some of them, just again, it's just to get nuanced. Some of it, a lot of your knows, really had nothing to do with what you looked like. It was people who just Based on what they knew, did not know it was a way did to Did not know. so about that. Based on these yeah. laws and the way it's written, ma'am, you can't do that. And sometimes yes. when we're pushing in the, as a community, I want to, you know, I want to speak to. Again, your dedication is amazing, but I also want to speak to. Sometimes people will look at that as if they don't want to let me in because I'm black, and in that situation, yes. it's just somebody not knowing. A way to do it, and they're just telling you their honest answer. Again, I know you right. run into that issue as well, but I want to yeah. speak to it on kind of both ends because on I feel we overplay. Side, yeah. You feel me? We kind of overplay yes. that it's all this one no, thing. Yes. And I realize is it's really somebody it, yeah. just honestly saying, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. No, go If you can speak to that.
3: Lots of, yeah, definitely. Lots of different dynamics I, I that I've recognized when it came to the nose, And I feel like I, I had a pretty good intuition when it came to the reason why I was getting these notes Mm -hmm. and to be honest I still face that here we are 10 years later and I still face going into new cities um and them not recognizing or not knowing that what's in their ordinance and so I pull up municode municode is my friend um you know for sure municode is a list or in a library of all of the codes all of the laws all wow. of the ordinances um that are about anything in it in any <laughs> any industry any you know any situation mm-hmm. um that you can think of it's all of the laws and the rules, and so I will pull it up and it's free to look it up and I have to often tell them um no, it says in your ordinance right here that it is allowed, and this is how it's allowed and i oftentimes have to point that out because um because Um, this industry is such, it's so, it's already closed, you know, it's not many people, Mm -hmm. many businesses out here that do what I do um, on this level, you know what I mean, Um, there are several out here that are still bootlegging, and hey, get it how you live, you know, I'm not knocking nobody, but you know, it's it's not not a lot of people that use it. So I do run into that often. People just don't know what's allowed or just based on what they've heard or what most people um, run into or, you know, just hear, say, they'll you know, just be like, no, I don't think we have anything like that. Um, and, you know, so I, I definitely, I definitely, definitely, definitely um, understand that for sure.
5: And I've run into it and still do. Right. And I, right. And I just want to highlight it because, you know, that moment, the conversation will uh, you know,
2: you you just receive
5: a no from somebody who, you know, based on their day to day, never had to look up that specific thing because you're in a sense you're in an industry saying, Hey, I'm trying to do this unique thing with inside this industry and so, you know, they, they know the letter of the law per se, but not your specific thing that you're doing. Right. About. So so they'll give you the no out of ignorance and some people will walk away and say they don't want to let us in and you just laid out hey it's not even that it's a, they don't want to let us in you had to as you I didn't even I hadn't even heard of this I think you said muni code
3: did I hear it correctly Unico, muni code m u n i muni code I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's so short for municipal so you, code. You, yeah yep. so you took it a step further because
5: when you said there's a the way there you know with it, you know you know there's a how you know what I mean like there's a the way so I'm saying that to say that that specific effort that you had to make, it can get regulated to because of how you look. And the reality is you just ran into someone who didn't know. And you didn't know. A step mm-hmm. further, got the right information and still had to convince somebody who thinks they know, you know what I mean? Cause now they don't, mm-hmm. right? Like you say, you're saying, wait, mm-hmm. let me explain your own artists to you. And I just, you right. know, just want people to understand that, if if you were trying to if anybody was trying to do that unique approach to this industry, they probably will be getting mm-hmm. the same no, simply because the person you're talking to does not mm-hmm. know. That factors yeah, sure. in a lot of times, you know what I mean. But if you walked away, had not went that far, and you were still in a sense making money the the way you were before you opened up Alcohol Heroes per se, then you would have made the money, and the 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 tune would be for a lot of us. Uh, they didn't want to let me into the industry. So, again, I just needed yeah. to get into that nuance. That's what we talk about. Again, that's not to say I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean you haven't had situations that didn't happen but, due yeah. to how you look. So I'm not saying that's it's not a part of have. it, too, Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. But,
5: you know what I mean? But I want to just point yeah. out that often it's 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 what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. And, again, that's not to let anybody off the hook, but it's to, it's to become diligent about here's what it's going to take. Yeah. To, to, finally, yeah. to, in a sense, finally get what's already ours.
4: You know yeah, what I mean? So exactly. I
5: just really wanted to point it exactly. out. For anybody out there listening, yeah. if you have a question for Tiffany or want to get in on this morning discussion, the number is 646-787-1691. You will need to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Actually, we got somebody there who want to speak, so let's open up the phone. Oh, right. nice. Uh-huh. Area code Hi, 619, last 3952. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's
4: Um, My name is Relisha. I am here in Georgia. I know I have a California number. But everything that she's talked about, I've been going through it with my brand.
0: Uh-huh.
4: Um, as far as relocating to a different state and they not know the laws as far as alcohol is concerned, But the biggest issue is they don't know the laws when it comes to distilled spirits. When it comes to Uh beer and wine, across the board, every state, city, county, they know it. But when it comes to distilled spirit, they're clueless. And Uh a lot of them, unless you establish your brand or your business in their state, they just don't know how to deal with a foreign entity coming into their state with their business. Um, When you touched on the fact that um, having a How easy and how hard it is for us compared to others. That is so true. I've been doing this for a couple of years, and it's not just the information I get, but constantly being told, oh, you can't do that. But I see other people doing it that's not like me. Or when it comes to doing certain events, oh, you can't do that, but they're doing it. They're selling, they're advertising. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I've been bootlegging for the last few years, and I finally got my break. If I were to go and do an article and anybody do that, you know, when it comes to us saying, oh, yeah, I've been bootlegging for five or ten years before I got my break, the IRS will be coming right after us. Yeah, right after us. Mm-hmm. Yes, the ATF will be right mm-hmm. there saying, oh, you owe us our money. So the industry is definitely different um, when it comes to us, not just telling mm-hmm. us what the rules and the and the regulations are, but also when it comes to having our brand out there. Even when you go to uh, a distributor, we're limited. They want to limit us to liquor stores only, or limit us to certain areas, mainly the um, the urban areas. But when you're trying to get your brand out there to bars, restaurants, clubs, and everything else, depending on you know, since there aren't that many um, mom and pop distribution companies, mainly the big distribution companies, the first thing they want to know is if you have 150 plus thousand dollars for Marketing, or for them to be even be your distributor. But when yeah. you're a small brand trying to get started, you don't have any of that. You're paying all yeah. this out of your pocket. Right. And and, wow, and wow. that yeah, is Tiffany, yeah. That's, this, thing. So that's not my area. So
5: yeah, Tiffany, if you'll okay. respond, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually listening and learning from both of you. So go ahead, Queen. Uh,
3: yeah. No. Um. I I definitely feel you. You know, and that's one of the reasons why we're putting on this expo. And why, like I said, I like to use my platform because there aren't many alcohol catering services out there. There aren't many concessionaire services out there that can do the, um, you know, lots of huge events come here, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 people, you know, at these events. And there aren't many services here that can handle that amount of people and that type of, um, and that, you know, that get that level and scale it to that level, be able to handle it and be compliant with alcohol services. And so oftentimes you'll see people come in from other states that do the same thing that we do, that's able to come in and kind of capitalize on that profit and capitalize on that, um, and that you know, that, that money. And, and at the end of the day, um, like I said, the big players, you'll see, you know, this event sponsored by this liquor brand. And you see the same ones over and over and over again because they do have the marketing dollars and they can pay those $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, you know, sponsorship fees, which I'm not knocking them because they've been doing it Um, for so long and that's what I really wanted to get to it may not necessarily be that it's because we look the way that we look that we're not able to get into this industry it's just because we're simply an outsider and that we have not had access to this industry like many other industries Mm -hmm. as long as some of these players have and so they build relationships over the last you know 40, 50 years and their grandfathers Mm -hmm. did it and they're you know and and they were in this industry their great grandfathers were the bootleggers that are now owning the big distilleries that now have the right. money to go out here and, and get them um get the you know notability and 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 get the visibility that they need to continue to be good, so it's not that. You know, oh, you guys are black and so you can't get in. It's just, At the end of the day, this is a very tight community, and, all, and they all know each other. And so at the end of the day, you're an outsider trying to get in. It, it don't matter if you're black, white, green, purple. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. It's just you're an outsider, and you're not playing by our rules because at the end of the day, we wrote the rules. And we wrote them for Rise, us to be able to keep the to keep it. And so you know, keep so you tight. have to be able to say, wait, exactly. Yes, so if you don't sense. know your own rights, and that's with everything, if you don't know your own rights, they'll always be able to control your narrative. They'll always be able. The ones that have. Been in the business for so long, and unfortunately, that's just not people from our community because we didn't have access to those things back then. When that's why I said we were left out of the alcohol conversation when it was when they came out of prohibition, we weren't writing the laws, we weren't writing the rules, they were and they wrote it for them. And so, at the end of the day, if you're not one of those players, you're not going to be able to get into the game, and if you are, it's not going to be easy. And so you have to be able to push through those things, and we have to be able to build relationships, especially within our own community, which is one of the reasons why I'm having this expo, um, because I hear the same thing. Even though they've made it to the distributors, they've made it. To that first point, they're not getting that support. I have a, I have a young lady that's going to be um that will be at the expo. Uh, she's actually not going to be able to be at this one, but she'll be at several other um, parts of our series that are coming up later on. But she was with a certain distributor, and the hey, distributor also quick, had. If,
5: a if you don't mind, if just real quick, I, I do I need you to go to another break. Um,
3: oh yes. And you sure. said your
5: name is, I think it's her Julie. Yeah, um, caller. Your your name is Julie? I think I heard just
4: No, sir. It's Melissa.
5: I'm sorry, say your name again? Alicia. Alicia. Okay. okay, cool. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you, Alicia, for being with us. Uh, we um, Thank you for calling in. I got another caller, and I got to go to break, but I just wanted to acknowledge, um, appreciate you uh, for breaking down what you've been through and, 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 you know, but definitely keep pushing through. And I think you said you're here in Atlanta. Are you going to be lucky enough to go be a, be a part of the expo or come out yes. today? Just throwing it out since you're here in there. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm, again, thank you for being I'm, with I'm, us. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Queen.
4: Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, yes, I am here in Atlanta. I just found out about the expo last night, so I'm a little disappointed. But I want to tell her thank you, thank you, thank you so much for talking to all of us about everything you've gone through. And I will say, I wasn't just referring to us being black, I was talking about us being female in this industry. Oh, mm. so that, yes, that's the, that's the issue to distill spirit yeah. in this industry for a female is not easy. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, Thank that's a awesome great Yeah. Okay, thank you.
5: Yeah, thank you for your three cents. You. Nah, thank you very much. We'll go to a quick break and we'll get to the next caller come out of a break. Listen okay. to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask
1: is that you think.
7: Hey, where did you get that hat and t shirt? I like that.
2: Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right?
7: Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh?
2: That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneur spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out.
7: If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
2: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
7: I like those. What's their IG?
2: At moneymotivation.co.
7: But do they have any ladies gear?
2: Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, I don't even talk, talk. They still
5: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Tees. This morning's conversation with smart people, our special guest, Tiffany Richardson, founder of the Black Owned Spirits Expo. Got to shout out my sponsors and want to shout out Money Motivation. Tiffany, I know you were trying to make it out to the Mental Dialogue Live experience. You missed it. An amazing experience, but Money Motivation had me fresh last night. So go to the ID, mm-hmm. go to the Facebook page, and see how Money, money Motivation pushes down. If you' out here in the entrepreneur spirit, Money Motivation is more. Money Motivation is more than a clothing line; they are a brand that encourages you and pushes you uh, in, in your entrepreneur effort. So I definitely recommend MoneyMotivation.com. Uh, thank you for. Uh, uh, Alicia calling in, we're going to get to the next caller here. Real quick before we go to the next caller, and it was just something that you're pointing out, and I want to put this in perspective. Again, we try to go a little deeper with our conversation. I love how you broke down, like you said, we wasn't there in the beginning of, the, you know, that, that conversation. And, and so so what you're talking about, I want, and I have one caller who always points out, like humans by mm-hmm. nature are tribal. And so what you're talking about is, you know, again, those, who got into the business first and writing the laws quote unquote for themselves. So it ends up almost being systemic and how it's difficult for anyone to break in. So there is a perspective that and again in a sense that they are not allowing us in. There's some truth to that, but what you just broke down and broke down is what groups will almost naturally do is, you know, if we think about it, if we were to kind of sense in a sense, create an industry, or like you said, it was illegal when it goes legal. Uh, When we're trying to get the regulations, we're going to try to get things in place that make sense for us. And then, so you get the regulations, you know, again, there's a bunch of regulations and a bunch of hoops to jump, jump, jump through. And then as the industry grows, then you throw in financial barriers that makes it harder for someone else to come in. So the concept mm-hmm. of monopolizing it amongst ourselves exactly. is actually very natural. Again, it's not to let any idea of systemic stuff being off the hook because you're not off the hook. It, it, it's, it's not fair. And it's almost like right. I, think I hear you saying you need to know that going in. I'm going to have you speak to that, and then we'll get to the caller before we let you go. Thank you, Quinn. Yeah,
3: no. I mean, at the end of the day, it is. It's about um you know, it's about you, you, we do have a, a tribal instinct, you know, and and I appreciate you for pointing that out because that's kind of how it's been. Um, there aren't like I said, there aren't many people um in this industry um doing it this way, and so I understand. You know, just like anybody, um, you know, even when people call me, I have calls almost, you know, daily that are like, hey, I'm trying to do this. Can you tell me how to do it? And, you know, so to some point, I want to help. You know, I do. I want to help, and I want to tell you everything. But there's still even that part of me that's like, look, you kind of got to put the work in because I don't have the blueprint for how it's going to work for you. You know what I mean? I just don't have it, you know, for because there was a sense of hustle that came with m- me doing this. And I also can't tell you that it's going to work the same way because they may have just let me in. You know what I'm saying? But I can tell you at least my story, you know, and then, um, you know, you can get it how you live, to be honest. You know, that's kind of how I, I do it. I don't so I do understand. How about that? At this point, I don't you're have... still making
2: it happen, Queen. You're still
3: making yes, it happen. It
2: so,
5: so yeah, if I take true. time to even tell your story, I, my bottom line is being hurt. So, you know, so, so yeah. if you're gonna yeah. ask that question, I'm big, I'm big in, I'm big on, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the thing you always hear when you're, you know, trying to, in a sense, of, uh, successful in business or whatever, you'll have people, you know, say, uh, what's the word? People will say, "Can I?" Um, it's just slipping my mind right now. Um. Uh, can I? Can I? You know, can I sit down and talk to you? But that's not what people typically say. They'll say, "Uh, what, yeah. what people say." A, but either way, I always tell people when you're doing that, you that there should be some money behind that request.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At least this person something. will be doing
5: something to make money. So if they're gonna sit down and, uh, you know, in a sense, let them let you let them bend your ear, pay for them bending for bending that ear. Let's go to the call.
3: Yeah, yeah. Area, <laughs> area code
5: nine one six. Yeah, absolutely. Area code nine one six last three two five seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh
6: good morning. I'm calling uh, my name is Tamika and I'm calling from uh California. Uh good morning. Hey, good morning, what's thank up, you very so much. Okay. I got another I got another I got two
5: trailblazers on the on the okay. line right now. Go ahead, Tamika. We don't get too much <laughs> right.
0: story, but
2: I I was, you know I love highlighting the fact that you will be the first I'm just, I'm gonna do it anyway. I know you don't want me to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> This sister you're hearing from, Tiffany, is
5: um, on the verge of becoming the first black all um, apparel manufacturer in the country since 1904. Uh-huh. I just pawned out every oh, time. Wow. If you didn't want me to do that, but I had to because I got <laughs> two trailblazers on the line. Go ahead, Tiffany. Go ahead and get it in. We got, no we got seven out, minutes. I ain't still too much of your time. Go ahead, Queen.
6: Okay. <laughs> and, and So thank you so much for being on the show. In fact, uh, Roisha, who called in prior, I, I just had to text her and say you got to call in this young lady is really giving knowledge and sharing knowledge and, and and releasing the platform it's really important that we do that right so once we get in you know how do we you know make sure that others who look like us right since we trying to be tribal can get yeah. in to break down on those barriers so one thank you for doing that and may I ask um, for alcohol heroes how does one begin working with your organization if they do want to work on distribution And they have a line, um, you know, as Marisa mentioned, she has a brand. There's multiple people out here with brands, but they want to scale that
3: brand. And so how do they begin
6: working with you, sis?
3: It kind of just depends on where they are in their process and so um i tell people cuz a lot of people called and said hey i do not have distribution i'm having a hard time having distri- getting distri- distribution in georgia specifically we have distribution in dc or you know we might have it somewhere else but getting into georgia has been um particularly difficult so you know i've been telling them listen at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not on the wholesale side. I'm on the retail side. And so, but at the expo, we'll have tons of wholesalers, um, distilleries, and people that are on that wholesale side to talk about their stories and how that works for them. Once they get Um, get with a distributor or become their own distributor. Like I said, I have one young lady, maybe two young, two women as a matter of fact. One will be here at the expo. She um, owns a company called Liquid Distributing that had an issue getting distribution, and she said, you know what, I'm going to become my own distributor, and I'm going to distribute myself, you know, and so she can talk about her Um, her path and how she, you know, went about doing that. And then once they become the distributor or get with the distributor, then I can get them into these bigger festivals because that is where I am, you know, that, and I can get them in. Last year we probably touched or served about 500,000 people total, you know, um, just here in Georgia, just by serving at these festivals and serving. And I also have an alcohol catering side that does, you know, a hundred person wedding, 300 person wedding. So here they are, um, they able to be exposed to people that are just drinking because we are kind of the gatekeepers of those products um, being, you know, exposed to them in, and it can touch more people than they can touch on their own sometimes. You know, if they can't, um, if they don't have that um, $50,000 sponsorship fee, you know, but I know that the festival doesn't necessarily, um, you know, they don't have um, a wine sponsor at this point. You may be able to donate products or have an in-kind sponsorship that with money, you know, something like that where I can kind of ha- help be a conduit or help be, a, um, you know, in, in the middle of that conversation a little bit. Um, so that's how I'm trying to use, you know, my platform. To help get these brands on, um, and they can just call me directly. It's simply a conversation. I, I can, you know, you can text me, they can call me, they can call Alcohol Heroes Line, um, and we can just talk, you know, just about what their vision is and how we might be able to help.
6: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. No, that's beautiful. I, I'm, no. <laughs> don't mind.
3: And can I, can I go just a
6: bit deeper? Uh, no, you speak to this, but I, I do want us to not ignore the fact that when we, they were thinking tribal. Uh, when they were writing these laws and these rule books, uh, mm-hmm. I, that's respected. I agree to that. But it was tribal in an in, in institutional sense, right? These are institutional yeah. barriers that we have Absolutely. to overcome. So we're not a, let's, let's not dance around the subject of <laughs> how it was structurally, racially institutionalized. Uh, to to create absolutely. these barriers, so they saw us yeah. making money, no, absolutely. they made another but they higher
5: money barrier. To be, to be <laughs> no, absolutely, that's it. Yeah, that's what I, I don't know if you heard me saying that. That's what I was saying when I said systemic, and I think institutionalized is a better word, but I just kind of refer to it as systemic to say that is a realistic, you know, situation. But you know, in a way, in what you heard me kind of focusing on for the individual, here's going to be your path, even with these things in place, because like you said, there's no denying. That this was done intentionally to keep others out. So there's no denying, and that the keeping other out becomes systemic because that first person that, for example, Tiffany had to go to and say, "Hey, I want to try this." Who says no because of her, his or her ignorance is is a result of what was done. You know, like you, like she you said, coming out of prohibition when the laws were written. Written. So that individual is mm-hmm. not necessarily conscious of it, but that's how it becomes systemic because you have all these barriers set from the beginning so not overlooking it you know what I mean and just yeah we're definitely talking to it and speaking to it so definitely thank you for pointing it out thank you for a great question and it sounds like the short of what you know just even your original question is hey she's just quick queen making herself available and if you stay mm-hmm. in contact and especially if you're like Alicia, uh, who's in it, you know, she's able to make it out to the Black Oil Expo so she can get connected to the people who can give her her direct answer. So great questions, because Thank you again for being a part. Thank you for spreading the word on the Mister dial platform and letting people know we're doing this type of stuff. So thank you, Queen. Um, Absolutely, she's also a thank you, Josh. put it out, too. But no, nah, thank you. So we got about a minute and a half, uh, 50. So at this point, um, let's go ahead and let people know how to stay in contact with what you're doing, give them the details for coming out to the expo as far as, um, you know, how it's free and price points and things of like that. But you got about a minute and a half if you can get it all in. Thank you, Queen.
3: Yes, so thank you guys again for having me. Again, my company is called Alcohol Heroes. You can follow us at Alcohol Heroes on Facebook or Instagram. That's A-L-C-O-H-O-L-H-E-R-O-E-S. Everyone always forgets that E-S on the end. Um, Today we will be at 351 Marietta Street Northwest. We're directly across the street from the Georgia Aquarium. It is, if you use the code word when you get here, Black Spirits black spirits is what you need to use um, to get in for free you can come in you can shop with the vendors you can get the information you don't have to pay a dime we do have a $10 general admission that comes with two tasting tickets good for a tasting food or um, the alcohol infused food so we have some awesome caterers here today that are giving tastings away of their alcohol infused foods um, and then um, or you can do two drink um, samples with those two tickets um, and then you can purchase additional tickets if you like and then we have a tasting passport which you get a food Souvenir glass. It's forty nine dollars. You can go online and purchase tickets at Eventbrite if you like. Um, forty nine dollars. It's unlimited tastings of food and alcohol all day. We'll be here. Um, From 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock, 3 o'clock is the early in hour for VIP guests. Um, 4 o'clock is general admission. 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock, it takes about an hour and a half, depending on how tips you are to get through the entire expo. Um, 25 different samples that you can try, food samples, uh, Business black business vendors, some really cool stuff happening out here. So right across the street from the Georgia Aquarium, look for the balloons. Even the venue itself is black-owned. A lot of people are like, why did you use a a parking garage for this venue? Because it's black-owned. That's why I use it, and it's amazing. And so I hope that it. you guys can come out and network Love with it. us today. <laughs> yeah, I'll
5: definitely be out today. Um, let me make sure I understand this real quickly because I want to make sure I do that to Shelly, who's promoting you as well. Uh, for those who just found out about it and want to just come see it because they're not certain, that they you know what I mean. So they got to say Black Spirits yeah. in order to get in for free. Uh, All right, I'll make sure I do yeah, that to Shelly, who I know is promoting it as well. Thank you so much, Queen. It's been an amazing hour. I know you got to get to work and pull off your expo. I will see you. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll get to see you. Maybe running around too busy to see, see me or whatever. For everybody listening, I will put up the link if you want to go ahead and just jump on the tastings and the foods that she's going to have. It's an amazing show tell you everything you'll be getting. So I'll put the link up on the Mr. Dialogue Facebook page. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. We are at the top of the hour. We're going to play a cut from Taylor Place for my sponsor, Square Biz Entertainment, and we'll be back with Monty Evans, founder of Healthy Black Communities. We'll be right back.
1: All I ask is that you take
7: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Quay.
0: So much regret How I dealt with you You're a package to be handled with care You're like a team I let slip away Dropping pennies in with one
5: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people just featured the first hour with Tiffany Richardson, founder of the Black Owned Spirits Expo. And now we are fortunate enough to bring on another smart person, smart people, as I like to say, uh, Brother Monty Evans, uh, founder of Healthy Black Communities. I'm glad to have this, King, on, if you will. King, say hello to all the truth seekers and give them a little bit of your background. Thank you for being with us, King. How are you doing this this afternoon, I guess I should say, at this point?
8: I'm incredible. Thank you very much for uh, having me on. Uh, for those uh, who are new to my organization, it's Healthy Black Communities. We uh, founded in 2001 here in uh, the state of Georgia, and we focus on Health education and disease prevention for black folks both domestically here in the United States and in down West Africa. I
5: love it, King love the king. And when somebody comes on and say they're doing incredible, that that is my day because I gotta keep up, brother. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've been on the app yeah, for sir. four years. And I don't know if I ever had a guest say they feeling incredible. I
1: like that.
8: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think if I go down to that expo, that Black Spirit expo, I'll feel more incredible when I pay my $49 all-inclusive.
5: Absolutely, King. And, uh, yeah, if you come down, you will see me there for a few hours myself before I'm actually going to support another member Uh, Of the mental dialogue community, uh, you know, uh, to throw that out there, uh, she has a play today. So I'm definitely, I'm trying to run around and support all these people. Because if anything, if you didn't get anything from Tiffany in the last hour, was the concept of how we must support each other. So I'm glad to even hear you mention the possibility that you will support that sister again, uh, you know, knowing that you're hearing about it uh, from our platform. Again, this is how it's supposed to work. This is why I point out those small nuances. Because, as I always say with the Mental Dialogue Community Club, if I could just mention this and we'll definitely get into your story, is mm-hmm. all the things that people, belabor labor about, uh, African Americans or blacks, whatever you want to call us, um, saying we don't do this and we don't do that, as a part of the Mental Dialogue Community mm-hmm. Club, I say we can be the opposite of all of those negative stereotypes and basically build relationships and fellowship, create relationships so that we can be the opposite because it, comes, it becomes very natural to not do those things, whatever they are, when I know you. And I want to you know, kind of point that out in you finding us online and coming to a movie night and, and since that That's time right. actually coming to the live experience, performing as a soapbox dialogue, becoming a soapbox dialogue champion, if I could just throw that out there and <laughs> put, that, in your back, yes, put that feather in your hat as well, King. Uh, mm-hmm. I, again, I want to throw that out there. And, again, I'm kind of going through all of that, just to show people we're building real relationships. Uh, again, you're going to hear briefly here how all the wonderful stuff that Monty Evans, uh guest for this hour, is doing. But I just kind of want to show people the connections deeper, even though i really known you kind of for a short time. But, but, again, I recognize good spirits and those who are doing the work uh, from, a, from, from a sincere um, effort. And so I, I'm always saying to people like yourself, we're better with you and we are without you, so if we will, perfect opportunity for, um, again, you've been around for a while, but can you get into some details to what? Just the name itself sounds like right, Healthy Black Communities. That tells me a whole lot if I've never heard anything, but if you can kind of break that down for somebody out there listening, what exactly does that entail, King?
8: Yeah, so uh, basically, you know, we started out uh, by naming the organization Moja Evans Incorporated, but then... I think in 2004, when the board of directors met, we said that our name should reflect what we do so that when people hear the name of the organization in and of itself, they hear the mission. And when we're in environments where people don't know or are unfamiliar with us, all you have to do is pay attention to the name and you'll get a dose of what we focus on. So our initial work uh, started around National Black HIV and AIDS Awareness Day. It's a national campaign that focuses on uh, getting black folks tested for HIV, getting those who test positive treated, educating people within black communities about the uh, virus and uh, AIDS, as well as uh, getting people involved in leadership roles locally in their community. Somehow uh, in 2004, I was invited to go to Ghana, West Africa to do a health assessment in a village and there Uh, They were asking for projects. And so we replicated the National Black HIV and AIDS Awareness Day there, and then we began to look at other health disparities. So Healthy Black Communities is really focused on national campaigns. Uh, One of the things that we'll be launching is National Black uh, Cancer Awareness Day, National Black Heart Awareness Day, Crohn's, lupus. We're focusing on those top seven Uh, health disparities that are affecting black folks uh, and when you look at the um, healthy people report for the United States, those are the health disparities and diseases that black people
5: are dying of the most. Wow, that's beautiful to hear that you've expanded into, as you said, in a sense those areas that are that we, you know, everything you just laid out. I'm like, okay, I know somebody, I know somebody, I know somebody. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. right? It's unfortunate that we know yes. I know somebody damn near in every category. If you just want to, you know, speak right. speak truth to, you know, truth to that. Um, so um, yeah, quite amazing. And I want to throw this out. I'm pretty sure you can. I know. Well, I know you can speak to this better than I can. Um, so. Um, I guess at the time that you started, in a sense, doing that, in a sense, that national AIDS awareness mm-hmm. and the stuff that you started, when that still was kind of a, a in a sense, oh, still at the God. forefront of the nation, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, on the tongue of the nation. Um, obviously, as far as um healthcare is involved, when it comes to AIDS specifically, um, things have definitely mm-hmm. vastly improved. When you know, from the time we first got wind of it, and you know, all the fear got out there or whatever. And so I would say to a certain extent, the country did, a, to a certain extent, done a decent job with getting enough education out there for people uh, in a sense not to be fearful of it. But here's where I want to go, mm-hmm. knowing that this is how you started. Um, mm-hmm. it, it almost, in my opinion, I'll say this and you, you can correct it, but I, almost, I will almost offer Monty that he's done too good of a job. Uh, When you think about, again, how fearful we became of it in the 80s and the 90s, and, of course, Magic Johnson contracting HIV, uh, you know, literally, uh, you know, leaving the NBA because of it again, different. we Mm -hmm. definitely had a different mindset about it. Um, The reality Mm -hmm. is, with you starting here in Georgia, um, it's still at an epidemic level, but due to us getting comfortable and understanding AIDS much better, people have lost sight of that. And so I just want to kind of bring mm-hmm. that up, knowing that that's where you started and kind of have you speak to that, because I'm pretty sure that work has not stopped for healthy black communities, if you will. Go ahead. Keith. Sure. Well,
8: one thing I'll say is that back when we first started, uh, cause I've been involved in HVNA since 1991 in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So I, from a leadership perspective, I've served on boards and in community leadership roles to help, um, impact this epidemic and try to stem the tide of it and get black people more aware about it. Uh, As far as why the attention is not on it now as it was back then is because the medicine has advanced. And so back in the day, people were taking AZT and and getting sick. And, you know, the lifespan was like six months. So if someone told you that they had contracted HIV, you know, there was these support groups and these organizations that existed to watch people die. Whereas now with the advent of medicine, The U.S. is saying, okay, we need to move on to something else that's trending. But I will say this is that in 2017, of the 38,000 new HIV uh, diagnoses in the United States, 16,000, which is 43%, were among Blacks and uh, African Americans. So we're still almost at that 50% Mm -hmm. mark. And the reason why I guess we're not dealing with it as much as we did back in the day is, one, Uh, Some of the people who championed it have passed on or they moved on to other things or they're Mm -hmm. aging. And so it's not as important to the current leadership of the black institutions that we have uh, in place today.
5: Yeah, and I I, I understand that. And I guess what I'm asking you to kind of speak to. Is the reality of it, you know what I mean? Obviously, you gave that mm-hmm. you know that one example, forty-three percent. That's a that's a portion mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but I would offer that there again, you know, yeah, we may not get the, the 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 fervor from, as you said, uh, black institutions or or just even um, like you said, because people can live with it longer. So I get the why it's mm-hmm. happened, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to, in a sense, point out and wake people up to. This is still a very unfortunate reality that people need to sure. still be aware of, still need to be protecting themselves, still need to be getting tested. You know what I'm saying Because once you lose that yeah. fervor, people kind of, you know what I mean? The reason well, I would just say, yeah. I say that we're at 43%, partly because it's not put in people's face. I'm just kind of wanting to get right. into that nuance. Um, because I know you know firsthand more than the forty-three percent, like, 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 really. And again, Atlanta specifically, at least when I saw a report um, a couple of years back, I, uh, and talking to a CDC doctor, um, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, not just a, but some other, um, some things are literally oh, like yeah. what CDC, CDC considers epidemic level. So it's almost like speaking to the mm-hmm. fact that people not knowing there are some places that are experiencing. Literally, I'm oh, yeah. not trying to overplay it. It's a reality that is experiencing, Atlanta specifically, epidemic levels of people still catching this. At least that's what I understand, and I want to again right. just kind right. of tell me, is that the case? Is that what you're seeing? Because I want to wait. If we're going to have this platform, you know, let's mm-hmm. not just cruise over 43% because we got to do more than that in my opinion. The look
8: at it, uh, Montoya, is one in seven black people uh, with HIV don't know they have it. And so if people are having, let's say, unprotected sex with, let's say, more than seven people at a time, then they are directly encountering uh, HIV with someone uh, who does not even know that they have it themselves. Yes, in the black community, uh, in certain parts of our country, HIV is still an epidemic and it's more stronger in uh, certain uh, parts of our country as far as in black communities than it is in certain African communities. But, you know, I don't want to get into this uh, epidemic uh, marathon with whatever diseases that we're dealing with, which one is worse. The challenge is, and this is where the premise or the bedrock principle of healthy black communities is, if we get black people to love themselves, we won't have to worry about HIV. HIV. We won't have to worry about diabetes. We won't have to worry about some of the other health disparities because a people who love themselves takes care of themselves and speaks to others to take care of themselves. So I don't want to catch the conversation just around HIV when we still have diabetes as a big issue, when we still have cancer and some other uh, diseases out there that we're dying at in silos at epidemic levels within our community. Hey, that's beautiful.
5: I mean, that response alone helps. You know what I'm saying? Get into under like like the like you said the bigger understanding of healthy black communities. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you just laid out to me. Um, yes, sir. You know, just but addressing it helps people even understand. Hey, yes, it's a reality. But here's bigger issues. And if we speak to it, mm-hmm. then it's it's not like we overlooked it. You know what I mean? So so I'm glad you – because mm-hmm. I didn't know that was going to be a response. But I love that response because I think you're absolutely right that, you know, that in a sense, like you said, if we learn to love ourselves, a lot of these things in itself will go away. So I definitely love Healthy Black uh, Communities. Primate. That makes so <laughs> much sense to me. We're actually up against the break. So let me go to a quick break, and we will come right back with our special guest for a conversation with smart people, Monty Evans founder of Healthy Black Communities. We'll be right back.
2: All I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase a home in Atlanta, the question you should ask yourself, do you want a top agent? or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Elfram Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual, on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases, and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by eXp Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Bifida Law Talk Show. Mm
5: -hmm. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, this morning's second hour guest for Conversation with Smart People is Monty Evans, founder of Healthy Black Communities. And again, King, thank you for being with us. Again, love the my response. Um, you know, definitely love the response again to my last question. Again, I have a concept. Again, I, and then let me throw this out too. Even in asking that question, I want to just, you know, between you and I, again, we're just having a conversation. Um, okay. Even in me wanting to, in a sense, ask you that question and focus on the quote-unquote epidemic level. Again, some of that is, you know, in a sense, an awareness uh, for people to understand, hey, this is still uh, a very important and, and it shouldn't be something that we don't think about was kind of, in a sense, what I was thinking of. Um, just, You know, just kind of get into the nuance of, you know, of where I'm coming from was that. Uh, but mm-hmm. as you chose to respond, there are these other things that have almost been killing us way longer, <laughs> Uh, you know they play uh, a bigger and, and still play a bigger role in what's happening in our community and if you were even to get into a numbers game, you know we would find out a lot these other things that you've mentioned uh, are definitely right. you see a lot of us leaving for way in you know way bigger than even um, the AIDS epidemic per se if you want to mention that so if we will move into uh, what type of things that you uh, for example with these other these other diseases and things like that, uh, what kind of information are you making notable that there may be some somebody who hasn't, you know, woke up to or they've been in bad habits, uh, how do Mm y'all expect to reach out and get them to finally maybe pay Mm -hmm. attention and learn to love themselves, as you mentioned, uh, you know, what's the approach with that, if you will, Ken? Yeah,
8: the uh, other initiatives are what we call national Mm -hmm. awareness campaigns, specifically national black awareness campaigns will be focused, uh, almost modeled like uh, that of uh, Black HIV and AIDS Awareness Day that is mobilizing and getting information out to the health departments and the uh, community health centers, as well as uh, the national black uh, institution headquarters. So when you think about the Baptists, when you think about the Muslims, when you think about the uh, Catholics, all of those national organizations have networks locally that they deal with. And so getting them the campaign information and hopefully, hopefully they distributing it within their networks, but also launching the Instagram, the Facebook uh, campaigns and Twitter campaigns to pump out the statistics and the data. The challenge with some of the uh, uh, diseases, let's say like diabetes, there's so many co- components to uh, diabetes when you deal with black folks and how uh People, one, are uh, taking, let's say, they go and get the um, um, regular uh, treatment, right? So they get the, uh, not the transfusion, I can't, uh, can't think of what it is, dialysis. And so some
1: people start off
8: with one-time dialysis, and as the disease progresses, there's two and three. Uh, but then there's the uh, side effects of going to dialysis that we have to deal with. Of course, I'm sure you've seen people who have had diabetes older and maybe sometimes younger who they may start with cutting the toe off and then they start with half the foot, mm-hmm. work way up the leg. That's my great grandmother. That's my great grandmother.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and so they have to back uh, so surgeries. Mm-hmm.
5: Come again? I said, yeah, she constantly had to go back. you started with the toe, yeah. then half a foot, yeah. then, then a leg, then okay. to the knee. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. experienced it firsthand and with my so, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Keith.
8: And so when you deal with uh, back in the day, this is from our the era that we went through called slavery, right? Our health Our habits and behaviors and our eating habits and behaviors are direct effect of what uh, we can cluster in post-traumatic slavery syndrome. And as we deal with it from a health perspective, here's some of the challenges that we deal with today, even when it comes to smoking and the various cancers. And so you have, of course, lung cancer, kidney uh, cancer, you have prostate cancer. There's so many different components when you start deep diving into the various diseases. And so we're doing a surface level campaign, but on our website and on our social media sites, you'll see some specific statistics regarding the various cancers and the various components or side effects of a person living with diabetes when all it takes, all it takes when it comes to diabetes is a person changing their eating habits and their behaviors, and they can be pre-diabetic or turn it totally around. But somehow... We in this country, we're addicted to sugar and salt. Those are the two main things that we constantly deal with. And and, and and I'm addicted to
5: both of them, King. I'm in trouble. Come again? No, go ahead.
2: I said I'm addicted to both both of them, so I'm in trouble.
5: Some people are addicted to one or the other. I'm
8: addicted to both. Yeah, well, let let me add the third one. The sugar, salt, and caffeine, those three things America is addicted to. And when when America has a cold, I'm sure you heard this because I think you're young enough to know, when America has oh, a cold,
1: black folks have a flu. Catch the flu.
5: Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Catch so, the flu. So as I'm listening to you, I, I heard you mention this real quick, and I want it, it reminded me of another conversation we've had on the show. Um, you mentioned the idea mm-hmm. of, you said, getting the information out even to the, I heard you say, to the health departments um, in reference mm-hmm. to our community. And I was fortunate enough mm-hmm. to have a brother by the name of Julian Rose, who's Study for a doctorate in biomedical med, engineering, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. amazing brother um, on the previous show. And he was just talking about mm-hmm. one of his tasks, for example, was um, understanding some of the diseases that specifically affect our community. So when I hear you say, Hey, mm-hmm. I got my organization getting out information to the health department, what he mm-hmm. talked about was, uh, you know, in against in the, what he talked about was because unfortunately there are. It, there can be differences based on some of the historical stuff that you talked about, and the reality mm-hmm. is, even in the health field, quite often, uh, some of the things that are specific to our community are not being studied enough. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm wondering is that what plays a role in you saying, hey, from our perspective, we want to make sure the health department is on top of what's happening in our community. I mean, I'm one. That's what it made me think about when you mm-hmm. mentioned that. So I, I'll, yeah. I'll let you speak to it, but that's kind of an assumption I made when I heard you say that.
8: Well, within every cycle or, or silo within our country, let's say in the health department director's circle, right? There's a minority health department directors coalition in the um, community health centers. There are minority owned and operated uh, community health center coalitions and associations. There's an organization for everything that you can imagine in this country. So it's a map. It's a, it's a, task of not only contacting the mainstream organization and going on the websites and getting the names of all the directors for the various state health departments and local health departments, but also looking for those minority organizations. You know, Tiffany was talking about African Americans and spirits, right? And so there are, Mm -hmm. just like in the in the alcohol world there are minority groups and, and business associations and all that it's the same in the health world uh all the way up to the federal level that there are minority federal employee uh coalitions or organizations to reach out to and we you know we would do the best we can uh with the time and the resource that we had to get the word out uh but the biggest thing montoya is to get black people to love themselves. I said this 20-something years ago. We can stop this Mm -hmm. HIV and AIDS epidemic and any other health disparity if we can get black people to love themselves. But I think the sister from California who called in on the last uh, uh, hour Mm -hmm. talked about institutionalized racism and institutionalized issues, is that there is certainly – There's certainly been, and and this is our our perspective as far as healthy black communities is, we know racism is institutionalized in this country. Uh, uh, Sister Susan Taylor from Essence Magazine, uh, I was at one of the fortunate ones to be named one of the top 100 African Americans who can influence HIV and AIDS uh, in America. Susan Taylor was at that uh, conversation table, and she said, y'all have to remember, they never intended for us to live this long. Slavery was supposed to take us out. Therefore, HIV and AIDS cannot be that one thing that takes us out, and I've never forgotten that quote by that sister. And so when you think about all that we've been through, we were never supposed to last or live this long in this country.
5: That's a big perspective for me. Let's let's peel that back. Let's peel that back. We're going to jump off the – to help the health of black communities um, in, okay. in, in this sense. Um, okay. So I, I have a show that I'm thinking about doing, and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about that directly or whatever. And I again, it's okay. because in this, and I love exploring. It's the opposite thought that I that I have, and we may bring mm-hmm. you back when we consider I'm considering figuring out even how w to, how to word the show. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when I when I hear you say that, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of listeners that agree with what you just said. I have a perspective, mm-hmm. and let's just again let's mm-hmm. dig into this. I have a perspective okay. that America has never wanted to kill us, they've always wanted to control us and okay. so i think I think that is again let's just jump into it i think that's I think those are two different things, and the reason I say they've never wanted to kill us. Yep. Is mm-hmm. You can't think of any point in which we have not been needed, and especially for the first 300 mm-hmm. years of this country, America, you know, mm-hmm. the U.S. would not be where it was without us. And so a lot of efforts that have went into, you know, we have these real-life examples, obviously how they would easily kill us for the, the most medical support miniscule of things and we still feel like that happens mm-hmm. up until this day. And then we get into the health, health area. We know about the Tuskegee experiment mm-hmm. and things of that nature. not the only one, right? I mean, America we, we mm-hmm. has done some vile stuff to our community and some people are still <laughs> unaware of historically, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't mind speaking to that, but I will tell you in my assessment of looking at history and seeing some of these real life things that have happened, that have happened, what I would offer, and I want to see what you think about this. What I would offer is, obviously, some of those things were extensive studies, so-called studies, or whatever, that obviously Mm -hmm. brought harm, uh, you know, specifically Mm -hmm. to our community that we don't forget, obviously, when we find out about them. Um, But other aspects Mm -hmm. of that controlling and those killings, as I've seen them Mm -hmm. used during enslavement and during Jim Crow and all that kind of thing, I'm like, wow, it's always been in my opinion to instill the fear that you could be killed at any time but there was not a concerted effort in my opinion to ever quote unquote kill us off and I think that is something that we should think about and how we say it but I'll let you kind of jump in and just kind of hear your perspective on me saying I think it's been more to control but never to kill us off or as you just mentioned Mm -hmm. we weren't meant to live that long they were going to take us yeah. out I don't know if we would ever there's ever been to a perspective to take us out I'm not saying I'm right in a yeah. perspective I want to bring right. into this conversation well I think the paradigm of America shifted
8: during the Jim Crow and the um, sharecropping uh, era as far as when slaves were declared free by the Man's Special Proclamation I will introduce to the same conversation that you're saying around control is Let us not forget capitalism is that once America realized that black folks could contribute to the capitalism formula and and even post-slavery from a perspective of bringing wealth or acquiring wealth from uh, black people, then our relevance became as important as our contributions to capitalism. And so when you think about Dr. King, right? Dr. King's speech, because I had a chance to go to Montgomery and really double down on uh, uh, Dr. King and Dexter Street Baptist Church and then went over across the bridge to um, nice. the other church over there where the the, uh, the uh, marches were, right? The one of Dr. King's last speeches when he did the uh, Montgomery bus boycott, right? He said, we need to look at Wonder Bread, Coca-Cola, and all of them and stop buying their products. Until you because, of course, they were advertising on the buses and they were at the table when it came to city government and all Mm -hmm. that. Once Dr. King began to claw on to capitalism, the elements of capitalism and black Mm -hmm. folks, then he became a threat because now you have the major companies income and revenue being impacted.
5: Absolutely. Let me do this. We'll we'll get the break. So we'll come back and keep exploring that conversation uh, after this quick break. Okay. Thank you, King. Uh, I, I love where we're going now. I think this is the, the 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 deepness that I that I appreciate for for what we do on this show. So we'll be right back. Listen listening to the Mister Talk good. Show for all our is that you think?
7: Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that.
2: Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right?
7: Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh?
2: That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneur spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out.
7: If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
2: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
7: I like those. What's their IG?
2: At MoneyMotivation.co
7: But do they have any ladies gear?
2: Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, MoneyMotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money.
8: Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Cause I
2: look like
5: money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm um, your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Soccer tees This morning's conversation with smart people, Monty Evans, founder of Healthy Black Communities. Uh again, thank you, Queen King, for being on with us. Um yeah, um in reference to that moment and like what you're talking about, basically uh, in a sense, when did MLK become a we'll say real threat? Um, and, you know, again mm-hmm. you know, you know, not you know, obviously he was in a sense, especially at the time, he was definitely and some people make the mistake, he was always Looked at as as a troublemaker throughout, you know, right. in a sense to the to the country, in a sense. Uh, but in a sense, as long as it was integrating um, restaurants right. and things of that nature, um, he you know again, he he lives through that, gets through that again, had threats on his life, and even uh, even you mm-hmm. know one attempt, um, you know prior to that. Uh, but as you said, once it came down to affecting the bottom line, because the things he, you know, again, with his leadership. Um, this is going to, mm-hmm. you know, turn into a full-out movement, and you know, and at the time his goal was to connect, uh, you know, the poor of the country again from his perspective. But he has, I agree. Mm-hmm. And we became such a, a major threat in a sense, you could say taken out. I would offer, and I want he to hear yeah. your this. is that that's another example of take the head because we just want to control uh, um, versus, uh, you know what I mean? Because if you think about, for example. Obviously, when we lose the Dr. Martin Luther King, you see these riots all across the country, you know, just sparked all the us across the country naturally. Um, and, again, a lot of people lost their lives, quote, unquote, during those riots per se. But there have been times, numbers-wise, if there was a concept of, quote, unquote, taking us out, that if that was the goal, and I'm not. It, it 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 definitely could have been done. And the real life example in America is the fact that Native Americans, as we refer to them, are a half percent or one percent of this country. So if the idea is to take us out, unfortunately, America has proved it before. And again, I said they cut their head off to control the body. Again, a perspective. Let me hear your thoughts on it.
8: Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One, oh, you mentioned the riots, right? One of the things we as black folks have not been able to do is to figure out how do we harness our anger and channel it into a positive perspective. I am not a fan of marches and all that stuff. I think that we have to be at the tables where the decisions are being made, and we have to infiltrate the all-white institutions and bodies that govern mostly black communities, for example, Ferguson. Ferguson. Uh, Also, when it comes to uh, the perspective of our anger is that instead of – when you teach a people, when you've taught a people to hate the reflections of themselves, the first thing that they're going to destroy is that reflection. Mm -hmm. And so until we get – you know how I feel about the black church and religious institutions already, is that until we get the leaders of those institutions – to talk about self-love and self-respect and model it. So it's one thing to preach it from the head of the people
0: at the mosque
8: or at the church, but then it's another thing to model it in actions, words, and deeds. Then the people will do what the leadership does. Let's be clear. There was infighting amongst the leaders during the MLK days and the Ralph Abernett and the John Lewis. We, we we paint this angelic image as if they were doing kumbaya, but there was a lot of infighting and a lot of uh, the terminology that we're familiar with is crab in the bucket, is who could get to the White House to meet with the president, who could do this, who would be the first one to speak here, and all that, and somehow Dr. King kept um, surfacing to the top. So that's um, uh, my perspective on the whole um, conversation around control versus taking out
5: okay okay and i'm gonna go one step further with it um and again here's the other step that i that i that i all go with that and again i'm we've, and we've i've attempted to do this show before we had a show like is america's trying to kill us or control us like i literally laid it out flatly and i'll be very sincere and going back and listening to the show um it just the direction of that particular show didn't get into this part right here and i and i've Talk to some other people here in Atlanta about this perspective. they were always kind of taken aback by it. And then as we, as we walk through it, they, they'll say, okay, you might have something there. And again, I'm not saying I'm right here, um, but I'll just tell you in my own studies of history and trying to figure out, again, how to elevate us. And well, definitely, let me say this before I even mention this. Well, I mostly mm-hmm. agree with you 100%, and I've been saying it for the longest. I don't know if I've ever said it to you yet, but. The foundation is loving ourselves, and when we get and we mm-hmm. mentioned this earlier, the systemic yeah, the systemic aspect from our education, uh, it's just like we have mm-hmm. to become aware of the fact that if you are sending your child through a public school, that will go missing, mm-hmm. and it cannot go missing during the foundational years. So we always recommend, especially to those in the in the community, that you must at a minimum supplement your child's education in order for to ensure mm-hmm. that they see themselves, because they will not through a public school education, and we miss it because it's cyclical, and that's where the initial, like you say, not loving yourself in the middle starts. Mm-hmm. It has to start mm-hmm. at, at the primary level, and I know that you would agree with that. Again, I'm just giving a lot of backdrop for what I'm yeah. about to say, which is – Well, can I, can I comment on that if,
8: before you continue? Go ahead. Right, right.
5: Please jump so, in. Uh, yeah, jump in before I go say that. Go ahead. Yeah.
8: So, so this past Wednesday I had a chance to speak uh, and do a workshop at a daycare center on Cleveland Avenue. And I was talking about how to protect your child online and Internet security and making sure that, you know, parents uh, begin to text and uh, send pictures to their children so that they can get comfortable in that space communicating with their child because that's where young people are. But one of the things I also spoke about is let us be very clear, because this is pre-K, so before kids went to kindergarten. Our children are geniuses When when they're inside the womb. And you have a mother who's nurturing that wound and doing the best she can to bring forth a healthy black child. Our children are geniuses from the moment they are conceived in the womb and once they come out. It's not until they sit in a public school that that genius within them begins to be dumbed down and they begin to question their genuity because they're being fixed into a box to learn certain things Mm -hmm. and not being... Allowed to be creative and expand outside that box. So I just want to uh, add that to the conversation we no, talked about.
5: That is, uh, true. that is absolutely, absolutely, and that's and that and that. So yeah, it ends up being a disservice. Or right, right, what's that famous mm-hmm. quote? Um, I forget, I mean, I, you know, getting educated by your enemy, you know, almost you know, getting some bad Are oh, you talking about um, all you laws? In a the sense,
8: built the master's house won't be the same
5: tools that you break down the
7: master's house.
5: Yeah, love it, love it. See, I knew you would know. <laughs> now it's all good. Um, but, but yeah, you know, definitely great point to point out along the way. So now to the challenge. Uh, again, I think it matters, in my personal opinion, that we understand. In my again, in my opinion, that the concept has been to control, not to kill. This is how I think it plays out psychologically. If I am correct, if I am correct. Okay. So psychologically, again. If the concept is to control, then the narrative mm-hmm. has always been to consistently ensure that our community is fearful, and you know, and we mm-hmm. know that it's a reality, you know, in a sense in how we react. Like even you just mentioned to it, you'll destroy that within the mirror because mm-hmm. subconsciously you're fearful mm-hmm. of, you know, be attacking others, maybe you know, or whatever, you know, to a certain extent. And that fear has been put mm-hmm. in us, bred. So it's always been a sense control. Even when I think about what happened after the 12 years of Reconstruction, if you've ever studied that period, and we know the rise of the KKK happened, mm-hmm. and the yeah. lynchings, you know, happened to the tune of mm-hmm. you know at least one a day for damn near 20, something mm-hmm. years in this country, um, mm-hmm. you know, after that time. And, and again, when I look at the numbers of the and things of that nature, again, I look at all these things, and I'm like, for as effective. As as, as as still for as our community at one point was of the KKK or whatever, I'm sitting here going, mm-hmm. man, they still when they had chances to kill us off, they still just mm-hmm. you know anytime we acted out, mm-hmm. they to go and I don't even use this word no more, but it's effective it's for what I'm about to say. go listen like mm-hmm. you know I mean like it was, you know what I mean like that was the concept again to get back in your place, to get back in your place. And so I'm saying all this to say that if the goal has mm-hmm. always been controlled and not to mm-hmm. kill us off, then subconsciously, mm-hmm. here's how it plays out. Again, they've our community in a sense, and I don't even like using they, but it's just, you know, for this context, we have to. Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm.
5: if they been still effectively, I think they have effectively instill a sense of fear subconsciously in us. Mm-hmm. What are you to fear if you, understand, if you actually realize, oh, they're only doing that to control us, not to kill us. Mm-hmm. It subconsciously mm-hmm. changes what you subconsciously understand. Why, why would you even have the fear? It, it, mm-hmm. again, what I'm saying is when you, in a sense, become revolutionary, and, 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 and we've had mm-hmm. those periods in this country where people were not afraid of dying. And, again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not an aspect of it, but if I come mm-hmm. to understand that you are only trying to control me, then the last mm-hmm. thing I could ever equip my child with is the idea that, quote-unquote, America's trying to kill them. Yeah. But, for example, I would never well, let my that story. come out of my... Go ahead, go ahead, King. Well, I'm sorry,
8: if you have young black boys shooting and killing each other in the street, right, if you have... Beautiful black men and women having unprotected sex in an age of HIV and AIDS, right? If you have our seniors and elders eating uh, fried foods and unhealthy as they're aging, all of that leads down the road to self-destruction and killing themselves. So there's nobody at the library stopping a black person from going in to check out a book. There's no control system there that's stopping us from doing that. There's no body online monitoring whether or not we go to YouTube and learn uh how to use a specific software program or learn how to fix a car or learn how to do something so when you when When you speak of control, I think alongside that, we also have to look at the side effects of the era that we've gone through and how now we have internalized slavery and the self destruction on why we are killing ourselves. So there's no need for them to uh, bomb or destroy any of our communities anymore because we have now taken on the behavior of
5: those of which who who brought us to this country. Now, Strong Thoughts, we actually got a caller. I got about a minute before the break. So to be fair Mm -hmm. to the caller, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the last break early. And that way we don't have to cut the caller off when they come in. So you're right there. Listen, we're going to get to you in a second. Uh, I definitely have some thoughts about what you said. I think, what you said, again, so again, strong thoughts. Uh, I'm going to keep hopping down this path because I think I'm right <laughs> so we're going to battle it out for the last few minutes. But, again, I want to let the caller again in as well. Well, hopefully so we'll we be right back. We'll be right back what I do in Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Matter of fact, I'll let that trump. I'll table this conversation so we can get the last segment about your work there <laughs> okay. or whatever, and to give people an opportunity to help you with that work, because I know yeah. I want our community, the Dollar community, to help you with that work. So, yeah, thank you for that reminder. We'll definitely table that okay. conversation. We'll be right back. You're listening to the mm-hmm. Law Talk Show. For all I ask is that you think. Mm-hmm.
4: For details to become a sponsor of Mental Dialogue, visit Facebook at Mental Dialogue or call Montoya Smith at 404-604-9477. That's 404-604-9477. Mental Dialogue, where all I ask is that you think, that you think, that you think.
5: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Rocket If you have a service or product that you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio please again contact me directly 404-604-9477 or if you're on Facebook inbox me mental dialogue or on IG mental underscore dialogue inbox me or get out have amazing rates and definitely love your support and how you keep intelligent radio on the air if you're an individual without either. We actually would appreciate your support at mentaldialogue.com. I definitely have some listeners from around the country who are supporting, and they're not even fortunate to take part in the live experience here in Atlanta, and some of them are big supporters. i can like shout out um, Nikki Dalton and um, William Agnew being some of our latest um, members, supporters from outside of Atlanta. So I just wanted to throw that out. Definitely need that need your support and want to put it out there. We actually got a caller, Monty, that wants to get in. Our special guest with us, if you're just now tuning in, is Monty Evans, founder of Black Owned. I'm sorry, Healthy Black Communities. And we have a caller that wants to get in with us, so we're going to get them in real quick. Area code okay. eight six four, last three two four four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion.
1: Peace and power. My name is Equine. I'm calling from uh, South Carolina. How's everybody?
5: Hey, thanks for calling thank, yeah, thanks for right. call calling in, King. What you got for us?
1: Hey man, I just want to start off by saying mental uh dialogue, especially amongst black African people, is gonna be, you know, the topic of discussion, not only on today, but many of days. So it's good that you guys are being bold enough and strong enough uh to uh you know go past all of the other distractions, whether it be the the draft, the championship, Pro Bowl, the NCAA season, all Thank of this can. other stuff, and, and being you. able to have a decent discussion um, regarding our well-being, regarding our quality of life. Uh, and you asked earlier, you guys were talking about the quality of life of us as black people. And I have had this conversation many a time when we were talking about why our black boys aren't doing better or aren't wanting to do better. And we would have to ask ourselves that question, being in the current atmosphere here in America, uh, capitalism, monopoly, where people like Future, uh, people like, you know, even Jay-Z, you know, where Jay-Z was one that showed his story of, you know him coming from the Marcy projects and being a drug dealer and being able to make himself basically a self-made billionaire not a millionaire but a billionaire now with that story being put into the lives and into the minds of a lot of our young underage boys that come from known broken families we we know that as a as a adult people that a lot of our people come from broken families And now this message is a one that, hey, well, drug culture is a thing that might not be uh, uh, that bad. It might be something that I may be able to overcome. I may be able to evade the cops or get away and still be able to live this luxurious lifestyle that we see Jay-Z rapping about, that we see Future rapping about, Um, and they have Lamborghinis. They are promoted as the ones that are able to gain and have this expensive uh, lifestyle. So a lot of times they are the new role models, teachers. Mm-hmm. Well, we know mm-hmm. that there is more money put into the industrial prison system than there is into our own education, right? Again, there's more money put into the industrial prison complex. No, no, no. Is. We
5: understand that, King. If we will, just, yeah, because I want to, I, I definitely want to, if you, yeah, you know, I appreciate everything you're saying. We're going to speak to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you can kind of wrap right. up in a sense, I got right, right. yeah, well, well, to, I got to
1: get to some gonna, of the I'm things gonna, that I'm I guess does up, as well. So go ahead. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I'm just going to wrap up as we're talking about uh, why we are killing ourselves because we constantly kill ourselves and our attachment to our culture. We come from the most uh The greatest culture of any people But nowadays our people Want to detach from who we Organically are, who we were All to become somebody new So whenever we try to kill Ourselves internally We shouldn't be surprised when we're coming Out externally killing ourselves And that's what we're basically dealing with Rather than having a culture That's going to support the quality of now, life Thank you King, I, yeah, thank, really you, King. thank
5: you King Appreciate the thoughts, they're super strong Thank you very much, King. I definitely respect where you're coming from. Thank you for being a listener. Again, short. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to get you this last segment. taken care of properly. Now, I appreciate you, King. Now, I appreciate you very much. Keep listening. Spread the word on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show every Saturday morning. All right, King. Now, strong thoughts from the um, caller, and I think he definitely Mm -hmm. hit the head on the nail with a lot of the issues that we're seeing. The one thing I'll offer, and I want to get into, again, with this last segment, jumping into, again, crossing those waters because I think we yeah. gotta get that connection in here as well. Yeah. Um but the one thing that I'll mention that he said that I think was very important is the to, to I think as a community is to in a sense recognize in a sense our positioning in the sense that as he mentioned, a Jay Z or a Future can be such a role model. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely mm-hmm. if we if we focus on the things that you're talking about, loving ourselves mm-hmm. again, that's mm-hmm. their real story. You know, especially Jay Z. I don't mm-hmm. know much about
0: Future, mm-hmm.
5: but that's his real story. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with a real story per se right. getting out there. Uh, but I would definitely like mm-hmm. to be in a position where. Um, that our children are getting enough healthy balance to so to see it for mm-hmm. what it is and not aspire to be it and risk themselves out in these streets per se. So strong thoughts, I Appreciate you for calling in. Uh, yeah, if you have any yeah, quick thoughts, yeah, on, yeah, go ahead, brother Munchie. We we'll definitely want to hear yeah, well, your work so across the that- world
8: you know, there's there's, there's that perspective that he provided. But also, I think if you go out and talk to our young people, they know uh, Jay-Z's journey. They've heard it in his songs. They see it on uh, YouTube and some of the other um, uh, social media platforms. So they're not locked into believing that he walked straight from the street selling drugs to a billionaire status. They've seen and watched the the, uh, songs and how he partnered with other people. And so there are some very positive aspects that one can get from Jay-Z's uh stride mm-hmm. to becoming a billionaire, even with his uh wife, as far as Beyonce, and how powerful partnerships and hustling together and grinding together works. And so I think the, the mm-hmm. narrative is out there that Jay-Z did not walk from the streets from selling drugs straight into billionaire uh status, is that he worked for it. And that's the conversation we gotta talk about. Instead of uh downing Jay-Z and downing where people's uh, past are because they, all of us have a past. But we cannot hold one another hostage to whatever past we have. We have to look at whatever success exists and then talk about the narrative
5: that got us there. Nah, fair enough. Um, yeah, and and, and and for you out there listening, I'm pretty sure, King, if I could have kept you on, I typically do. I don't know how often you to listen to the show. I want to just make sure I say this specifically because I'm sure that brother still listening. Is typically we would keep you on and you would get a response because we, because trust me, we understand you're not making this black and white. We're just still pointing it out. And I do, and again, on mental dialogue, we try to do that to have the entirety, healthy conversation to point out, okay, maybe this wasn't good and this is good. So we do try to have that full dialogue. So I appreciate you for um, pointing it out about us. Again, thank you for that. Uh, but we have to, before we close this show, talk about how you expanded, as you said, your work here, you expanded, you got an opportunity mm-hmm. over it on the continent, specifically mm-hmm. Ghana, and you since that time continue to travel uh, and actually spread your work there. And for those who mm-hmm. have those charitable hearts, please listen right now because here's going to be a vetted opportunity. Some people stay away from charity because you don't know where the money's going. I can vouch right. for the spirit of this brother. Anything you're about to hear <laughs> is, is is actual factual and where the money's going and it's going to a good place, and what better way to live our lives than serving. And that's what you do, King. So I'm going to give you this last Mm -hmm. part of the platform to go heavy into that work. So if you will, Mm -hmm. the floor is yours. Speak on it, King.
8: Okay. So uh, for those who are wondering what uh, Montoya is talking about, is Healthy Black Communities has an initiative in Ghana, West Africa, called the Inyansapo Project. It's actually pronounced Yansapo uh, for in Africa, but for those here, there's an In and then Yansapo Project. And you can find out more about that by going to InyansapoProject.org. But the initiative is focused on uh, taking deaths to children in Africa, in Ghana specifically. We're doing uh, computers as well as uh, sewing machines. And so when you think about a sewing machine, what's the relevance of a sewing machine? Well, a young lady in the village um, who called Bootyada, a sewing machine is $75. Your donation of $75 not only helps to purchase the sewing machine, but this child or young lady is sitting in class learning how to make dresses. Once she finishes this vocational training center, she goes out and begins to become an entrepreneur and make shirts and dresses and uniforms and all that for a profit, which brings in revenue for her family herself. So you've really fed a generation in the community by donating, let's say, a sewing machine. When you think about uh, uniforms there, uh, education is free in Ghana. But one of the challenges is our children are sitting in schools with ripped uniforms, and so $15 will buy a new uniform for a child, as well as $15 to buy a pair of shoes. If you go to InyansapoProject.org, you'll get a chance to see all of the projects that we have there, as well as we hold ourselves accountable to every dollar. So for those uh, 45 brothers and sisters who purchased desks, every desk that they purchased, there's a picture put on the site with the children for the uniforms that were bought, for the uh, sewing machines that were purchased. All of that is on our website, and we're very transparent with everybody and how much they donated is listed on the site. And so I know a lot of nonprofits will take the money, and they will claim a large portion of it administratively. Thank God for I have a consulting firm that supports uh, healthy black communities. And so I'm able to cover my own expenses for travel and lodging and navigating the country, whereas 100% of the monies donated go directly to the project.
5: And you rarely hear that, you know what I mean. And the reality is, let's just speak about it very briefly. Um, mm-hmm. If you were using portions to travel to country and the work you're doing, it's quite. It would be quite understandable. Uh, the reality mm-hmm. is, in again, in often from a just from a again getting into the nuance of how we think, um, mm-hmm. we love to hear when when it's 100% donations. And and so here's mm-hmm. a brother who's mm-hmm. actually doing what we love to hear. Like even when we mm-hmm. hear. 25% is taken for administrative fees. There are quite often mm-hmm. many of us who down who downplay that. 75% of funds mm-hmm. of a nonprofit is a beautiful thing to go somewhere, but sometimes we are negative about it. And so I'm just kind of pointing mm-hmm. out that nuance that you have a, a brother who, as he said, covers his own expenses. So you know that your money is going to a good cause. I'm going to donate $75 because when you tell me that, you know, again, I'm looking at it as like again I wanted to I knew I wanted to donate anyway just from the first time I whatever mm-hmm. I just didn't have a concept when you break down say, right. hey we're creating generational wealth. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that, that matters. We talk about it too often mm-hmm. and I'll say this very quickly, mm-hmm. is we have to understand as African Americans Our connection to the motherland is very necessary. Mm -hmm. Bridging that gap Mm -hmm. gives us a chance to have access to new money and stop competing for old money in this country that they, Mm -hmm. as you heard in the last hour, kind of don't want to let us do. But we're fighting for Mm -hmm. the hard money. The relationship over there can be brilliant and create opportunities even for us here. We have about a minute to go. Uh, King, so if you want to get your information out, make sure you send it to me via Facebook message, and I will put it up under the replay of the show. But if you will, any to contact you or any initiatives that you got going, you got a minute to let it out to the truth seekers that are out there listening. Go ahead, King. Thank you for being with us this morning. Hello? Yes, yeah, did I lose you? I was saying uh, let everybody know how to get in contact with every initiative that oh, you yeah. action, and I'll put okay. it up on Facebook okay. as well. we got probably about 40 yeah, seconds so now. Go ahead.
8: Yeah, people can go to www.hbcinc, which is Healthy Black Communities, and abbreviation incorporated.org, hbcinc.org all of our links and com- um, communication information is there. The one quick thing that uh, I got challenged on when I was in Buffalo, New York a couple of weeks ago is this one sister asked, well, why Africa when there are poor black kids in America? And the one, my response to her, my short response to her was, African countries are under attack by other countries to remain underdeveloped. There's no country trying to underdevelop America. And so when you think about Countries alone, as far as the work that we need to do there, is much more massive. And when you look at the history of where we come from, West Africa is where most of the majority of black folks in the United States migrated from years, years, years ago through the portal of slavery.
5: Yep, that is a truth and we should not even think of it as a disconnection like we unfortunately do. I understand the spirit of where that question comes from, but if we learn to get to a space where we're no longer asking that question, we will have bridged that yeah. much-needed gap. Thank you, King, for being on with us. I've Thank enjoyed you. it. And we'll bring you back on when we do the kill and control conversation again because we definitely got to get deeper into that. Thank you, King. You were wonderful. <laughs> um, everybody out there listening next Saturday, same time, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. See y'all next Saturday. Thank y'all. All I okay. ask is that you think.